Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, so now we're going to talk, Mark, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk, and we're going to talk about meal prep. So, with that being said, I have learned some cool things, and I think I might have even taught you something. So you taught me, you taught me several things today. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to say it, but you teaching the old dog a few tricks. That's yeah. all right. So you've had problems in the past, and actually, somebody else reached out to me recently and said, "How did it turn out? Mine always turns out like jerky. It's always tough and terrible. I only use ground meat." Is, and you're the you're same talking way, about right? when it comes to de- when it comes to dehydrating meat. Yes, yes. And and you're the same way, right? You only use ground red meat. No, I do chicken too. But well, no, but I'm um, saying if you're using red meat, you yes. Only do if ground. I'm using red meat, I've been traditionally using mostly ground meat. Yes, or sausage. You know, some type of ground something. Okay, but. I don't know if this is a good time to put this in there, but when I do use ground meat, I always run it through a blender. Um, after it's cooked, cook the meat separately. Like like if we're doing spaghetti or we're doing anything at all, we always cook the meat separate. And then we run it through the blender after it's cooked with a little bit of breadcrumbs. Um and what it does, it creates a wicking. It creates a binding agent, if you want to call it that. Does it? So when you make the when meat? you rehydrate it, it just instantly rehydrates that meat. But does it make it to where it's like all super fine, small chunks, or what? How no, do I don't. We don't like chop it up. We just kind of blend it. Okay, so, so you're just kind of like mixing it in the blender. Mixing it, good. Okay. So it's so that the coat, so that the bread crumbs are really 
covering the surface areas of the meat. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Because for a second there, my to... wife, the way she would put that would be like, you're making dog food. She tells me yeah, that run sometimes. Run, don't run it through the ninja. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're yeah. mixing it together with the breadcrumbs. Well, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, dehydrating, I mean, I'm sure you're going to, you know, you probably know this, but guys, the smaller the particles, the better it comes out. Yes. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, if you want to have big chunks of meat and you want to have big chunks of vegetables, that's fine. But you got to be prepared for be a little crunchy and a little chewy sometimes. Yep. And and so the, possibly even cook it separate from whatever sauce or whatever you were. That's going right. To put so the in. so finely chopping things is really important when it comes to dehydrating meals. To me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, meat. I wanted I wanted to get into this. How you did your meat here? Okay. So I posted and you saw it, and then somebody else uh, said, "Yeah, I do all my own meals. I dehydrate all my own meals. How do you get it to turn out?" Well, I don't know. I just thought I'm going to cook a roast first in the crock pot, just how I would make a crock pot roast. And Mark, you being from the Midwest, I know you know it's got to have gravy, right? <laughs> and and I texted you and I said, "Hey, you ever done gravy?" And you and I didn't get a response right away, so I was like, "Hell with it. I've got my gravy here." Um, so the way I did the gravy, I cuz I didn't want to waste, so I did strain it. I got all the like the particulate and everything out of it with cheesecloth. And then I put it in the pan and I used arrowroot starch to thicken it. Um, and then I texted you and I never got an answer back until like an hour later and I was like, okay, it's going on the dehydrator and I put it on and I posted, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but so it dried just like a fruit, so, like a fruit leather so would. Just, so before you go any further, so did you add the Argo to it so that you could get it to stay on the sheets or yes, did you just want to thicken it? Well, I, I knew that if I didn't thicken it, so I don't use Argo because corn once oh, again. Yeah, that's right. okay. but what, you... i used arrowroot starch arrowroot okay i got you but Sorry. a thickening a binding thickening agent just like corn starch right. or whatever else right but, yeah okay so yes i added that and i made it to where it was thick gravy to where it's sticking okay. to the spoon as it's dripping off that's the okay. consistency i wanted and i put that on the mats just like you would this my silicone mats that i bought yeah. just like you would a fruit leather those, yep. And I spread it out the same way Lampers is over there, kind of jiggling it and turning it and getting it to spread out for fruit leather. That's how I did yep. it for the gravy. And it dried, okay. and it worked good. My one thing I will say, though, I think next time I'm going to try and do it on parchment paper because when it dried, it, it – and you, and you almost have to break it up because I did it both ways. I stuck the chunks in with some of the meat when I rehydrated it, and – then the other one, I actually took it and it was like, cause it was like shards of glass. So I put those shards in the first one and the second one, I took those shards and actually ground them up in, in my food grinder. And then that's what I used. And then like if you made a powder, so you're essentially making a gravy powder is yeah. what I did with the second one. And that worked way better. It was consistent and kind of flowed through, through the product. Well, which you're, you're you're given more surface area for the water to rehydrate. Yeah, it worked out way better that way. So what I do, just so you know, give another <laughs> option. I don't use the parchment paper or the silicone 
for liquids. I use um, little small height um, baking trays, like metal a, baking trays. Really? Yeah. And I'll bake and I'll put them in there. And then about halfway down, I'll come down and use a spatula, flip it over sometimes. Just because, you know, the nice thing about parchment paper is um, it breathes. Um, so you can get some drying from the underneath side. But with the silicone, you don't really get that. Um, and with the little trays that I use, you don't really get. So when I do chili and soups and stuff like that, I use these like, they're like, man, they're probably not even a half inch. I got them at the dollar store. They're just small little trays, like baking a, sheets. Like a cookie just sheet? Cheap. Yeah, like yeah. a cookie sheet. Really lightweight, flimsy little cookie sheets. I've got like a dozen of them. Hmm that fit on each tray of the 15 trays. And um, I use those and that way I don't have to worry about anything I can. And what I like about the liquid is when you pour it in, it self levels. So it's pretty consistent. Yeah. And, um, and then when it gets, you know, partially done or whatever, I'll come down the next morning. It doesn't really matter if there's any moisture to it. I'll break it up a little bit or flip it over, you know, just massage it a little. Um, and then um, and then go from there. But I have not gotten to the point where I've had the shards. I haven't done anything yet that is a clearer type of gravy like you just did. So I don't have any recipes that I've used anything like that yet. So, but that's a good idea to grind it into powder because I bet it rehydrates extremely well. It's it. it it rehydrates like it was an actual gravy that you just made. It worked out awesome. So then, so I'm most, I'm most interested in this meat. Yeah. So the meat the, itself, the roast, I used an arm roast. So it had the bone in there and made some really nice bone broth. One thing I did learn, I, I'll say before I get into the actual meat, I cooked it in the, in, in the crock pot on low for like 12 hours. It was covered the whole time in broth. I used uh, some, some beef broth and I put vegetables in there but what I found is the vegetables soak up because I was like oh man I'm gonna have roast with gravy the vegetables soak up all the fats and oils and everything so when you dehydrate them I didn't even use them because they would go rancid I think pretty quick because yeah. no matter how how long I dehydrated it there was just that that film of of the yeah of the fat from from the roast on them and it, it didn't go away like you could you could scoop it off like butter was on top of it so i was like man that's bad i know yeah. from making making jerkies and doing other dehydrated foods that's just not a good thing to have and it'll yeah. go rancid so what i came up with was take all your vegetables cut them consistently even and then steam them for just like two minutes dehydrate them and then throw them in and then you got the gravy anyway once you rehydrate it so it makes it perfect now you've got a roast with your vegetables and gravy and everything else just like you would in the crock pot it's great but we'll get to that so i cooked it in there like that to where it was falling apart with a fork i think i had it on it was probably about 12 hours on low and then when i got up in the morning i turned it off let it cool put it in a thing and my wife put it in the fridge when i got home i just picked it apart and it it basically fell apart you know you could take a fork and shred it if you wanted to and that's how i put it in the dehydrator and they re rehydrated really well that way 
That's great. That opens that opens up a lot of. So basically, what you're doing, we talked about this before we got on the podcast, was with chicken. So I'm, I make a lot of meals. A lot of the meals I do, I make with chicken. And you really can't use chicken breasts very well or, you know, like just standard chicken. You really have to do the canned chicken that has a high moisture content, inter, intercellular moisture. So that when it dehydrates, it, it is a more complete process. Otherwise, it's dehydrating the outside and it's shrinking it down. And it becomes real leathery like jerky. Yeah. Um, so canned chicken is the key if you're using chicken. But by doing this roast that way, you're basically recreating the chicken concept with the roast. Yes. Yep. And uh, I think that was your... Personally, for me, that was your recipe for success on that one. Now, I was planning on doing, I haven't gotten there yet, but I was going to take, my wife does it and she shreds it and makes it for like fajitas and enchiladas and stuff like that. She'll take a can of like Rotel tomatoes with the chilies in them and throw Mm -hmm. that in there, add some chicken broth, and then put chicken breast right in the crock pot and it does the same thing rehydrate it and it falls apart with a fork and i was going to try and use that on some recipes too i'm anxious to see that too because um yeah we just you know we've kind of gotten into the can so easy to deal with that canned chicken um but it would be nice um you raise chickens right i do (laughs) yeah i do so it'd be nice (laughs) if you had a good way to do chickens of your own yep (laughs) Well, I'm anxious to see how that goes. So. Yeah, and then we do another recipe where you put it. I use coconut aminos instead of soy sauce, but same concept. Soy sauce, right. some ginger, some garlic, and different things in there, and you make like um, like an Asian-style like chicken in the crock pot, and it marinates in that and falls apart, and it's so awesome. You could do a ton of different recipes with that, too. Yeah, I bet that. You know, that's... Um... That's a good tool, man. I have not heard many people. I like to put that in my course and take full credit for that. <laughs> Why not, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I have not heard many people say that. So that was a nice that was a nice tip right there. So then, um, some of the other things I've like, for instance, that I've done just for my meals, um, I really like next mile meals for backcountry meals or. Even, to be honest, I'll take those with us if I'm going on a trip with my dad. We're going fishing for like a day or two just because we'd rather get out on the boat and not have to worry about throwing a sandwich in the cooler. I packed my jet boil. He thought he'd never seen it before, and I'm like, don't worry about lunch. I got lunch. He's like, really? You don't want to stop somewhere? I said, where am I going to stop and grab something? You know how I eat. And he goes, okay. And so uh, I made him – I think I gave him a mountain house, and I ate a next mile for myself. (laughs) But anyway, he's like, that's freaking awesome. This is great. Oh, man. And he thought it was the coolest thing ever. So Father's Day, we ended up getting him a jet boil. And he, he, he loves it. He takes it with him everywhere he goes now. He keeps it in the truck. And he's like, I'm not even going to stop anywhere anymore. <laughs> so it's pretty cool that he's gotten into that world. So now I'm going to have to introduce him into the whole meal thing. And I'll, just, I'll probably end up making them for him. But Next Mile Meals makes one that I just got an email that they got to change the name because it's not made in Italy, believe it or not, but it's the Italian meatball. 
and I love that meal. And instead of noodles, they use uh, zucchini. Yeah. And then they put the marinara with the meat in there, and they put cheese in it. We're going to get to the we cheese do. in a minute. Yeah, my <laughs> wife my wife does um, a, like, a chick, like a chicken curry. She does a a curry squash using spaghetti squash, you know, as the, instead of noodles. Absolutely. That's and, awesome. Um, Have you dehydrated yeah, that so, for the backcountry yet or no? Yeah. It's, yeah. It rehydrates amazing. Yeah. So one thing I found, because I was like, I know if, so anyway, I, I like a, a spicier meal. You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. I want a little sweat on my brow when I'm eating it. And you're not going to get that from pretty much any meal that's out there on the market. You can be like Lampers and add your Tony Sashries to everything, but then it kind of defeats the purpose of the healthiness to me, but <laughs> adding all that sodium to it with it. But, um, you, uh, I made it and I made the beef and I made sure I drowned, drained off all the excess fat and even took a paper towel and kind of sopped it up after I did my ground. But I added some smoked jalapeno powder to it and some red, red pepper flakes to make it just a little bit hotter. And then I added my marinara sauce. And then uh-huh. and then after I did that, the first go round, I took zucchini and I diced it up and I was like, well, if I'm dehydrating it around like the 140 mark, it might kind of cook it anyway. And it rehydrated okay, but it was kind of a little rubbery. So the second mm-hmm. go round, I took the zucchini and I just steamed it for like three minutes in the microwave in one of those steamer pots. Then I mm-hmm. took it and I put it on the dehydrator trays and that worked a lot better. It rehydrated and it wasn't so rubbery. You could actually, you know, like it wasn't rubbery. You could eat it. Like it was just a normal piece of zucchini that the, was cooked. The key, you know, we, we're kind of talking about the same concept with everything here. The key is to introduce moisture into the cooking process. Ah, you know, when, yes. when you're steaming the vegetables, you're steaming the moisture into the vegetable. Yes. You're the same with the meat. You're, you're pressure cooking, not really, but you're, you know, you're crock pot cooking and basically boiling that meat to introduce intercellular moisture. So the key is with all these meals is to make sure that the moisture is permeated through before it dehydrates because what it happens is the dehydration process sucks that moisture out and the void that it leaves okay is then refilled with the with the um hot water when you introduce that hot water but if you don't create the void it creates a closed cell for lack of a better word i know we're getting i'm getting real technical here you're getting not really kind of like east not not really (laughs) but i'm acting like i know what i'm talking about it it seems like to me that it closes it off and it can't reintroduce the moisture like jerky-ish does that make sense to you yeah and that makes it rubbery that totally makes sense i get it now i didn't even until we started talking about i'm like well that's what i need to do but now yeah it totally makes sense so let's talk about this though now i'm eating it and even a guy at work had it and he's like man that's awesome and i i even dehydrated some i sliced up some black olives and threw those in there too which is pretty good too um but i need the cheese on there man 
Have you ever dehydrated cheese? Oh yeah, I dehydrate cheese all the time. Do you? Yeah. And uh, like, you just got to make sure it's like a lower fat cheese, or what do you do? I mean, like one twenty. No, that's you... I think that that's one of the reasons because some of my meals. That's one of the reasons that I put them in the freezer. Okay. Um, now let's just be honest. When you pull them out of the freezer and you take them for a few days of unrefrigerated, let's be honest, nothing's going to happen in a couple days. You know, I mean, if, unless you're like, I don't know, if you live in Illinois or some stupid place like that, <laughs> I mean, it could be a hundred degrees. That could be a problem, but yeah. Um, here in the beautiful state of Montana, <laughs> um, we don't have that problem. So yeah. in case you didn't notice it on the summit. I have, I have noticed. Um, it's wonderful. So, but yes, no, I, I'm experimenting with cheese. It's something I'm working with. And um, by the time my course comes out, I'm going to have that cheese situation dialed. But right now, I do a lot of meals with cheese. Are you putting the cheese in later on the meals? Or are you no, taking... No, I'm cooking them. That's So here's the other key, key. I was hoping you'd say something like this. I believe that the meals are better done if you cook them together and let the sauces and the moisture cook through the products versus cooking everything individually and adding it to the bag. I don't feel like it combines well. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, you're not getting the flavor. No, I totally agree with you're that. You're just not getting it. I've tried spaghetti. I've tried lots of things separate because I thought, man, I could control it better. But it, it is not better. It's better if you cook the meal just like you'd eat it. Yeah. But when in doubt, Lucas, add more water. When in doubt, make sure it's got more hydration when you're cooking it. Okay. You're better off, in my opinion, like jambalaya, for example. My wife cooks this amazing jambalaya. It's one of our it's one of my flagship meals. It's Next to pad thai, it's probably number two. <laughs> but she cooks it pretty thick. So when you put it out, it's like a clump, like a, almost like a, it just plops on. But we've figured out that if we add a little more moisture, make it a little more soupy-ish, which we would not want to eat it that way. Right. But it, it dehydrates incredibly well that way. And then when we rehydrate it, I add in however much water, you know, which will I, which I actually want to mention that as well, but add in however much water you want to, for the consistency you want, obviously. So, but I've, I've learned that you add more moisture always when in doubt, add more moisture. That's a good, <laughs> you just can't go wrong. Thumb. Yeah. The one thing it's going to go away. It's going to go away anyway. So it's not going to hurt anything. Um, and I think it helps permeate the vegetables and to make sure that, you know, you've got every, your, if you're doing rice, whatever you're doing, that it's at its maximum hydration point, is it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the, the one thing, like, uh, with the zucchini, though, I wanted to cook it separate because I knew when I was doing it in the sauce and simmering it, it, it would just kind of turn to mush anyway. And I wanted well, but, to yeah, but you, solid. But you, yeah. but my point is you did that on purpose. Like, yeah. It was a planned part of the meal prep. Yes. Yeah. Which you might have done if you were making it just to eat anyway. Right. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So that's the whole point. Cook it just like you would do it. 
if you were going to eat it like right after you finished. Yeah. So then the next thing I made, which was awesome, I made like a breakfast hash, but I made it spicy. One of my favorite other meals is the Mountain House breakfast hash and the spicy Southwest one, the newer one that they have out. It's awesome. But so I wanted to replicate it and I came up with my own and I used some of the roast meat. So I took the roast meat, but I added the diced green chilies, a can of those to it, and then a little bit of the jalapeno powder. And then I cheated, but I'm sure you could dehydrate your own potato shreds, but they already make them. You can go to Costco and Sam's Club and buy. It's almost like a milk carton, but it's like a two-pound thing of shredded potatoes that are dehydrated. So I added a cup and a half of those to it. And then put it together with the green chili and all that. I, so I dehydrated the roast with the green chilies and that stuff. And then green pepper, I added to it and did all that. And the so, one thing I think I got to figure out, though, is how to cook the green peppers in the... Because I cooked them in the skillet, but they still were kind of greasy. I wouldn't worry about that that much. No, no if you're putting that... The, the key, the, the killer is oxygen yeah you're not gonna get i mean i i know some microbiologists <laughs> be sending some hate mail <laughs> i have a microbiology degree some some freaking microbiologist is going to question me on this shit by, when i say it <laughs> but you're not going to introduce anaerobic bacteria that frequently in dehydrated meals they're going to be aerobic so if you can eliminate that oxygen you're not going to get significant growth of anything that's going to hurt you. I, I know somebody's going to say that's you're completely wrong on that. So I, you're saying don't worry too much about like when I cooked it in the, in the in the skillet. You know, it, let's be honest, okay? You're going to cook if you're doing hamburger of any kind. Yeah. You're introducing grease. There's no. I don't care how much you dab it, double whatever you you say you do. With the paper towel, yeah. whatever you do, you're not going to be 100. percent No, I was just trying to lessen it, but yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, but my point is, you're not going to be able, you're never going to be able to remove it all. So, believe it or not, you know one of my favorite ones we do is enchiladas. Mm, yeah. So my wife cooks them straight in the pan, just like she would cook them with multi-layer, handmade tortillas. With the cheese and the meat and the chili sauce, every just with the cheese on top, just like she would serve it. Well, hang on, Mark, real quick. Let's talk for the listeners. Then, are they flour or corn tortillas? Hand- They're flour. Because yeah. why would you eat corn? I don't know. A lot of people make masa tortillas. Whatever you can do, whatever you want, doesn't <laughs> matter. I, I mean, you're such a purist. I don't even know if I can talk. I don't know if I can. Even- speak to you i don't even need, i don't podcast. even need the corn ones anymore <laughs> oh god so for the rest of us um <laughs> that live people. in the real world normal people that live in the real world um so <laughs> this is this is a good tip i take this enchilada thing okay <laughs> and i take a pizza cutter you know the round you know circular yep, pizza cutter yep. and i just dice and slice the crap out of that thing it, while it's in the tray. Once it cools just a little bit, 
And then I just slice, 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 slice. Because what you want to do is introduce the airspace. You know, yeah. the binding space. That's the key with all this stuff is small chops, you know, small particles, every, you know, cutting your vegetables small. My wife keeps sending me stuff down here that's got like giant pieces of green peppers. I'm like, honey, this is going to be take forever to rehydrate. <laughs> but she likes that. She likes those big chunky vegetables, you know. Um, broccoli. I mean, whole things of broccoli she sends down here to be dehydrated. I'm like, we got to cut this up a little bit. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, I chop it up with this pizza cutter and then I spread it. So when you cook a meal, another thing, another tip here. Use the pizza cutter, cut it up. It works great. Number two is when you make a meal, it's better to put it in the dehydrator when it's warm. And um, what I reason I say that is because once it goes into your refrigerator, two things happen. One, it condenses and becomes hard and you can't spread it evenly. Um, as, as efficiently, for sure. Number two, the moisture is evaporating. All that moisture that you introduced is evaporating in the refrigerator. Mm. And so I know it's hard sometimes, but I try to prepare the meals that we're going to do and put them right in the dehydrator right after they're finished. I know because I mean, I say that because you, earlier you mentioned that you put it in the refrigerator and the next day, you you know, you you broke it apart and did it, which well, you can definitely do. Yeah, that was the rule. You can definitely do it. You can definitely do it that way. But I have found that it's way easier um, to do it that way. Um, when my roast was put in the fridge, though, it was still in the bone broth. So, yeah, so yeah. it was still wet yeah. and moisture. So it worked out great. So the other thing, too, is when I'm spreading it. So, again, I know I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> dehydration is all about consistency. So when I talked about the fruit being the same thickness, well, your meals, when you spread them, need to be similar thickness. And the way I do it is I use parchment paper. Yep. And I'll put a couple cups, whatever fits your tray. I put a dab in the middle and then I take a second piece of parchment paper and put on top of, let's say I'm doing, um, I'm doing, oh, the one that you really will not eat. Your pad thai. Chili mac. No, it's, <laughs> well, let's just say pad thai. It's our number one recipe. Everybody asked me for that recipe. It's the number one. It's on my website, but it's our number one. Take a glob of pad thai on there. Then I take a second piece of parchment paper, put on top, and then I spread it either by hand or rolling pin. And I roll it out with it. And then I peel the parchment paper up, put it in the thing, and then use that same piece of parchment paper, you know, for the rest of the uh, trays. Then you're not losing food either. You're not, you know, you're not losing product and you're getting real consistent thickness. You know, not perfect, but better than if you try to do it with a spoon. Yeah. And I found that if you try to do it with a spoon or a spatula or something, you just can't get it consistent. You just can't. And, um, you're going to get different levels. You know that you're going to get different levels of dryness throughout your. Um, so what you're going to end up doing if you do that is you're going to over dehydrate some areas and under dehydrate others. Yeah. And then you got kind of hodgepodge of things, which I mean, it'll probably work out. That's okay, when you get but, that crunchy meat. 
in your meal. When you're <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. when you get a lot. It introduces, it introduces a lot of factors that, um, <laughs> that you don't really, then let me put it less desirable factors. Maybe you should say. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, um, when, when you're doing your meals, then do you, do you, how do you portion them out? So like I talked to a guy, the dialed in hunter, Josh Kirshner, which pretty cool. He still uses Ziploc bags. And I'm like, dude. And he's like, yeah, I've got some, they've gotten holes poked in them or whatever. Or the zipper pops open and it dumps into my pack. So I'm scraping my food out of my pack. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, oh no, man, you got to use the Mylar. <laughs> So he uses oh, the Ziploc bags. Yeah, but so the way he yeah, does no way. the way he does the portioning of it is he takes spoons and he's like, yeah, normally I put about two or three spoons on my plate. However, he how much he would spoon onto a plate or into a bowl is how he portions it on each section of the tray or on each tray. What are you doing for to get a consistent measure to where you're like, yeah, that's a good amount where I'm going to be full. And I actually got a good. Meal. All right. Well, let's just be honest. I'm bigger than normal. Well, right. Um, I'm a fat kid and I get it. And I, so for me, mountain house is pretty satisfying. The amount, right. It's two and okay. a half meals. Some of them are even three. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, when I'm hunting elk all day, I don't eat a lot. I'm just going to be honest during the day. I'm like a, when I'm in a serious situation, elk hunting, I'm a one meal a day kind of guy. Right. And I'll, I mean, I'm going to do some snacks and things through the day, but I'm not, we're not doing lunches. I'm not doing, I don't even do that much breakfast. I'm hitting the road quick. Um, I'm doing some of these packaroon things and the break, you know, those kinds of things. Now I do a few, well, I, I do some biscuits and gravy meals if we're, if we're a little more relaxed situation, but for the most part, I'm running and gunning and the evening meal is really important to me. So I go probably a little more than some, but what I do and I found consistent between just about everything I do, you know, all the meals that we make, I make about, Oh, I guess I got about 15 different things I make um, on a consistent basis. And what I do is I do two cups of dehydrated product maybe slightly less meaning like one and three quarters to two cups of the dehydrated meal, whatever it is. So I don't worry about what goes on the tray. Mm -hmm. I go the maximum amount, whatever I can get on that tray, I get on it. And then when I get it done, I have a Tupperware container and I take the partial paper and I bend it and have it, it slides right on. Parchment paper is like gold. I'm just telling <laughs> yeah. you. Slides right off into my into my thing, I mean into my Tupperware container, and I do all eight trays at once into the same Tupperware container, and then I take literally the cup, the two cup cup, you know, plastic cup, and I use the bottom of it to break up the product into a finer consistency. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Just break it up. It. Yeah, and then I take the same cup. And I scoop up two cups and I put it in the Mylar bag and that's it. Hmm. And then the way I rehydrate it, this is a really key point, I think, is I shake, I get the bag, I pull the oxygen absorber out, 
I shake all the product down to where it's pretty. I don't pack it down. I just shake. I just make sure it's down good. And then I add the hot water until the point where it just crests the top of the product of the meal. No matter what meal it is, I'll add just enough water to where it will fill up the bag until it just comes over the top. Barely. I mean, barely. Yeah, just where you can see it, right? Just where you could see the water above, and then I seal it. That's how I do it. That's how I found. And I that get works it. almost every time, every meal. Because I found if uh, if you go any more than that, you end up getting a watery product. Yes, yeah, and too if soupy. you go less, here's the thing about hot water: you can always add more water. You can't take it out. Yep. And and if you go less, you can always add more. That's what I was gonna say. Other or so if you I don't, go, you get crunchy, but. <laughs> But I found that, you know, from Pad Thai to Chili Mac to soups to chili, I, oh man, I do this cheeseburger pie, which you, you're not allowed to have, but um, it's incredible. <laughs> Why can't it's I have a cheeseburger pickles. pie? It's got the dill, <laughs> it's got the dill pickles well, in I can it. Eat oh, that. Man. that sounds good. Some ground it's, mustard. It's what, unbelievable. It's <laughs> I do shepherd's pie. That's a good um, one. We do that too. You know what else? I don't know if you've ever tried it. But uh, mashed sweet potatoes on top instead of regular potatoes. Well, I'm getting ready to start getting serious about that after I had those fruit leathers. Like that. No, I'm serious. Like, I'm... We we love sweet potatoes in this house. We we're kind of like the lampers when it comes to that. Sweet potatoes are yeah. amazing. And my wife made shepherd's pie, but she put sweet potatoes, whipped sweet potatoes on. She whipped them up with the the hand mixer. And put those on top, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is so so good. So you might want to look at so, that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely gonna. We, I, Shepherd's pie is one of my favorite meals, my personal favorites. I love the pad thai; it's probably my all time favorite. Uh, the the jambalaya is probably my number two, and then it's a close call between the pot chicken pot pie, uh, shepherd's pie, and the cheeseburger pie. Those three are pretty solid number threes. Um, you know, good old Missouri food right so there, man. let's talk about the cheeseburger pie. What's that got in it then? Well, for one, I'm the producer, okay? I'm not the creator. <laughs> I'm the equipment runner. My wife is the master of the cooking. My wife is a freaking amazing cook. So it's got like what? I'm, like pickles? Cheese. Yeah, it's got pick. It's it's basically cheeseburgers without the bread. Does it got tater tots? What's it got? It's got it, it it's got the mashed potatoes like um like the shepherd's pie. Dude, I can eat all that. <laughs> it's got mustard. The key is kind of like I think the key between the shepherd's pie and this. I mean, I'm talking out of my lane because that's my <laughs> wife's lane. But I think it's mustard and dill pickles is the is the difference. Well, yeah. <laughs> And the mustard, like... and the thing is about mustard, I don't eat mustard on very many things. It's good. I'm just not a mustard guy. Yeah. But in that, it's incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, no, we do that. Um, now, I will tell you one thing that I have not been able to master that I love. The only meal that I love from Mountain House is stroganoff. That's a simple one. I can't master it in my own, in the dehydrating world. I don't know if it's the sour cream. 
I don't know. I haven't quite narrowed down what is the problem, but it tastes old. Like it tastes, um, what's the word? Mark, this is one of the times I think you may have to make your sauce separate. I know. Grind it up into a powder and then put it in the bag. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, you know, but I'm wondering about the milk. Uh, if the milk is the problem, maybe because you know it's like um, oh well, milk and cheese. I mean, all of it kind of goes. I haven't had the problem with cheese, but with sour cream, um, it seems like it's the sour cream. I'm not sure that's the problem, but it, I think that's the only that's the only ingredient that we don't dehydrate any other ways. But I have not been able to replicate. And my wife makes like world famous freaking stroganoff. And I can't get it to to um, taste perfect. Hmm. It's not like it's intolerable. It's just, it's just, it's kind of like, um, I can't even think of the word. Like slightly soured or something. Doesn't it's not even soured. It's like it's um, old, like it's stale. That's interesting. Yeah. So maybe you with your master meat processor that you got there. Well, yeah, that. And I think um, I'll, I'm going to have to come up with like a paleo-ish recipe for that now. <laughs> and I'll use probably like instead of noodles, I'll use uh, spaghetti squash or something. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I am interested in that. So eggs is another thing. Just doesn't cut it. Yeah. In I, the dehydrate. I haven't figured that one out. I tried the other day. I tried an egg. Eggs are terrible. Yeah. I don't know. And I've read that. Every... So people substitute polenta for eggs a lot. Well, here's the other thing you uh, could do. You could buy freeze-dried egg. That's right. You can buy and add them to it. And that's right. That's what I'm getting ready to say. Yeah, you could totally do that. I think there's a few things. Just like I cheated with the potato shreds. Why am I going to take my time to introduce moisture into a potato, partially hydrate it, dehydrate it, and then throw it in a dehydrated meal when I can spend like eight bucks and get two pounds of dehydrated potato. Oh, the only thing I'll say about that is what I said earlier is like shepherd's pie and the things like that. I've well, tried it that yeah, way. That's different. Yeah. There's something about that, that flavor being pre-cooked into it. Yeah. I could see that. I could totally see that, but I did. I don't know that it's perfect. I don't know that it's, you know, I don't know that it's worth not doing it, but I do notice a slight difference with that. You know, the other thing about sour cream is I haven't experimented with this, but it's my next step is you can buy, you can buy um, powder sour cream too. That might be an option too then. Um, and so you can introduce that without trying to rehydrate. I, I just got a feeling it's this milk or lactose or just something about, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know enough about that chemical process to figure out what, to do just yet but Work i do like though. the stroganoff and uh i've got the meat figured out i've got and now that you've introduced this roast concept to me <laughs> that's going to be even better for that's got me more motivated to try to figure out the stroganoff problem because i went to hamburger meat with the stroganoff which uh, is fine that's not as good though but it oh, is okay. not as good as the roast would be. So let's talk about the your your chicken pot pie. What do you use for uh, 
like biscuits or is it an actual crust? Asking me the questions. So it's the same as. So here's another tip that we do with the chicken pot pies, the same as the bear biscuits and gravy. You do the chicken pot pie separate. Yep. You know, just make the, the, the base, just like your gravy, your white gravy, make it separate, dehydrate it separate, make your biscuits. Um, I put them in the same time, but the point is not on the same trays. Um, so you dehydrate, dehydrate the, the biscuits. Dehydrate the biscuits, absolutely. So you use a pizza cutter and cut them all up then? Just crumble them crumble with them. your hand, okay. whatever, whatever way. Now, I don't, with the bread, though, I found that you don't have to get as fine with it as you do some of the other stuff. It can be a little more chunky or you don't have to make it like powder, you know, like that. Yeah. Because you don't, I don't like it like that when I eat it anyway. I, I want it to be like as normal, as close to reality as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, what I've started doing with that is. We dehydrate the let's do it with biscuits and gravy because the bear bear biscuits and gravy is one of my favorite breakfasts that, that I do. I do bear um, ground bear sausage, sage bear sausage, Yum. and gravy. It's freaking phenomenal. And then we use the bear fat to make the homemade biscuits, oh. <laughs> and then the rendered bear fat, and then. I dehydrate them separate and then I crumble the biscuits up like, and I'll, I'll figure out what two biscuits or three biscuits is per cup, you know, in my cup, which is about a cup, Mm -hmm. cup and a half crumbled up. And then I'll add those to a second little, you know, one of those little like sandwich Ziploc bags. Yeah. So when I package it, I put the gravy, the dehydrated gravy in the Mylar um with the oxygen absorber okay then i put the biscuits in a little ziploc like sandwich bag and put those inside the mylar bag as well and seal it all up so then when i open it i pull out the biscuits i pull out the oxygen absorber i add the hot water but i add more hot water than um you know above the top a little bit more than i we talked about earlier And then about halfway through the process, I introduced the biscuits. Gotcha. So it's a little more of a soggy, manipulation, but, yeah. but oh man, it's worth the it's worth the process. So then, what you get is you get your rehydrated biscuits, but they're a little more like taste like actual biscuits. Oh, that's awesome! And instead of being mushy, like now, it still tastes good the other way. Don't get me wrong; I love it just all together, but. It is more of a, quote, mush, so to speak. Yeah. But if you do the biscuits and do, add them like halfway, say 10, I usually do 20 minutes for my meals. I, you can do less, but I usually do 20 minutes. And so at 10 minutes, I throw the biscuits in, make sure there's you know enough water. If not, I add a little bit more. And um, mix it up so that you got two different levels of rehydration going on at the same time, if that makes sense. Yep. That's awesome. And it, and the same with the chicken pot pie. Now, I don't always do that, but I've started doing it. Um, the chicken pot pie, I'm pretty good with it just all the same, even though it's a little mushy. It's just so dang good. <laughs> um, but 
I'm playing with the anything that has biscuits or that bread topping kind of stuff, keeping it separate and adding it, reintroducing it like halfway through the process. So let's talk about what's one thing that you've done as far as like food prep or something like that. That was just an absolute mistake and a complete waste. So other people don't do that. Well, one of the biggest, the biggest mistake I made at first was cooking the hamburger, leaving it in big chunks and not putting the breadcrumbs in it. <laughs> Cause it turns out like little, like little BBs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not bad, but it's just not ideal. It's not soft but enough. Yeah. Doing it finer and adding the breadcrumbs was a game changer with the ground, any kind of ground meat products. And for me, the canned chicken was a game changer. Because of the hydration. Now, now that you've kind of mentioned this crock pot idea, I'm going to do some experimenting with that with chicken. But, or uh, even your Instapot, if you guys have an Instapot. Yeah, yeah. Anything, with, yeah, like, yeah. This, like any kind of pressure cooking type situation. Yeah. I think that'd be, that could really be gold. Cause I mean, basically that's what you're getting. You're getting pressure cooked chicken. That's what it is. Yeah. So like the other thing my wife uses, uh, that recipe that I talked about earlier with the, uh, soy sauce and all that stuff and the ginger and everything in the crack pot is thighs because they have more moisture in them anyway. Oh, it makes it even better. Yeah. Wow. So there's okay. that little tidbit. That's a good tip too. Man, this podcast is full of tips. <laughs> but I think uh, other, I mean that we just pretty much hammered out a bunch of meals there. Um, what about like snacks? Do you, do you make a bunch of different kind of snacks in a dehydrator? Those coconut ball packaroons are gold. I can't believe, like like I said, I'm a fat kid, so I make mine as big as a hockey puck. Almost, I actually use <laughs> I use the ring from the mason jar. Oh, oh, like a narrow mouth, not a wide mouth, but a narrow mouth ring. And that's what I use as my form to cut and shape my, my packaroons. Does it, do they dehydrate well that big? It just takes longer. They still dehydrate yeah. well that big. Because if you think about it, it's the same thickness as your ball when you're using a cookie scooper. They're just bigger. Yeah, They're just that's right. bigger in, in size. Right. How long do those, how long are those taking you? 12 hours. Okay. 12 hours. And and actually, I think I could probably go 10 and get away with it. Um, it just kind of depends um, a little bit on, like, the moisture in them, I guess. But because um, I've done them with cherries in them. So I like putting cherries, cocoa nibs, and pecans. And that is, like, mm. a killer combination. But when I leave the cherries, dried cherries, I buy dried cherries, but they're still kind of moist anyway, you know, like – like a right. like a fresh raisin that's not like been sitting around for a long time. And so I think that when I dice up the cherry it works a lot better in there and I'd say probably 10 hours you could do something that size at like 100 what 40 degrees or whatever it is. Yeah, we did we introduced with the last batch we did we did nut a nut butter. Ooh. And it left them a little they're a little greasy on the bottom. Mm. But um but I just I went like fourteen or fifteen hours with them with that little bit more grease, and they seem to be amazing. So, now they taste good. I haven't. The verdict is still out on how long they'll store. Yeah. And the verdict the verdict is still out because we ate them all. I didn't even get a chance <laughs> to freaking. That's the thing. I 
I those things didn't last. I they never even made it into the bag. Those things never even made it in the bag. They got eaten off the tray. They're good. <laughs> They're delicious. Um, I I times my recipe by five. The recipe that's on the Lampers website <laughs> that they give, I times it by five because it's just not enough. Especially when I'm making them that big, I want to put two of those per mylar bag, and then I can keep it somewhere handy and when i pull it apart i have one and i'm eating it and i can have the other one in my pocket and pull it out later and eat it and see now that's one of those occasions if you're going to do the mylar bag for two of those that's one of those cases where you're going to want to have the air and seal it because that'll keep it from breaking it up so much yes yes and that's what i do gives it like a little bit of a a little padding so to speak well i don't know they haven't broke up i've never had one even if Oh really? Okay. Well, I dude, I just started making them. Well, actually, this, I threw this... one. Okay, I I'll admit, like I threw one like pretty far for my wife to catch it. She didn't catch it and hit the driveway. And that one, it was it was in like it was in three pieces. But it was still, you know what I mean. You can still grab it, and eat it. It wasn't like it crumbled into a million pieces. Okay. Okay. But well, that's because I have it in the hockey puck, I guess. So that's well, about the we, size of. This was our first time making them. We just made them first time. Oh. So. See, I'm developing a recipe right now for those, which I don't have it down yet. I've experimented and I've done small batches on it. Just it hasn't been right yet, but I'm trying to do carrot cake. Oh man. Yeah. So once I get that, I'll get you the recipe for that. That'll and be that'll great. Be awesome. Well, you know what? We're doing a recipe for the course. We're doing a whole complete recipe book. And I'm gonna have to put the I'm gonna have to steal your <laughs> hot roast recipe. <laughs> And I'm probably gonna steal this one too. So that's that's fine. Actually, um, Gina Shively, which I interviewed, Wild Well Fed on the podcast on this show, she is helping develop recipes for Heather's Choice. She works with Heather. She lives up in Alaska. Oh, great! And her and I were messaging back and forth on ideas, and I said I really want to do a carrot cake. I think that would just be awesome with like the raisins in it and the carrot and like nutmeg and cinnamon. I still haven't quite figured out to just make it to where it's like that extra little bit sweet, but I'm working on it. So that's more to come on that. And it's going to be good. I love carrot cake, man. So, (laughs) man, that sounds great. That sounds great. All right. Um, So, um, yeah, that sounds amazing. What what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I cut you off there. I was going to say, so we, you know, we've mentioned some of these, I don't have everything, but a few of these recipes we've been talking about, like the pad thai and the gear um, and, you know, equipment and rec- my recommendation that I've got several blog articles at treelinepursuits.com that on my actual, you know, my, my, my website that has um, separate from my, from treelineacademy.net, but treelinepursuits.com has, several of these articles about dehydrating meals and equipment and some few recipes and things like that, but there's more to come, but there are a few there already. And then like we talked about, the Lampers also have some, I don't have Lampers harvest health. Yeah. Harvest health. Um, But Um, if anybody does want any of the things I've talked about, I can devise a recipe, hit me up and I'll either send it to you direct message, or I can even post it on my website as well. So that'd be great. Yeah. Um, and then, man, I think that's about it. We talked about a lot of stuff here. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. I'm really, yeah. It's fun. It, it, I haven't done a dehydrated meals podcast in a while. Last one I did, I was on the, 
I was on a YouTube channel um, for um, Wilderness Ridge Trail Llamas. We did a dehydrating meals YouTube episode. I know you've got uh, you've got Stubblefield hooked on your pad thai and some of your other recipes. So I, Stubblefield's hooked on anything my wife wants to cook for. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> No, him I mean, and his wife were. He even posted it. Him and his wife were cooking them and throwing them in the dehydrator. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. They and they kept texting every five minutes, like, "Okay, what's in this? What's in that? What's in this?" <laughs> well, if he takes your course that you're coming up with here, then uh... the first time, you know, another quick story before we close out. So my first experience with Mister Stubblefield, um, he was the first guy I met in Missoula. I mean, of all the people I could have met, he was the first. <laughs> I mean, of the quality people I could have met, yeah, <laughs> it was him. So the first time I met him, I was in the middle of bidding on a bow, um, a stalker, a stalker uh, recurve, and uh, I was in the middle of it. I was a thousand some dollars into this auction, and at the BHA rendezvous. We had just moved to Missoula. We actually came a little early because I wanted to go to the rendezvous. So we had just gotten in town. We've only been here a couple days. So I got to meet Brian Call with the Gritty Podcast, mm-hmm. and I did a podcast with him at that rendezvous, and I met Ty Stubblefield. So anyway, I'm in the banquet bidding on this bow, and he's trying to take my wife. He doesn't even know me. He's trying to take my wife up to the bar to buy her drinks, so I keep bidding, so she's not at the table. <laughs> That's some shady stuff there, huh? That's Ty in a nutshell. That is exactly Ty in a nutshell. But well, I love the it guy. It was for a good cause, good, right? <laughs> so. He's a good guy. Love the, there's no, <laughs> he's quality. He's quality people, man. No <laughs> doubt about it. Him and Josh, um, some of the funniest podcasts I've been on, Probably. If you want to, if you just want to laugh and not learn a thing, <laughs> then go to Shooting the Bull podcast and listen to a couple of our mule deer hunting episodes when we were in the Missouri River breaks. I've heard hunting of, mule yeah, deer. It's a three, three of us. It's a minimum three beer minimum podcast, right? Isn't that oh, the... it's crazy. <laughs> but you won't learn a single thing about mule deer, and you won't learn a single thing about anything. But it's kind of funny to be honest, but. <laughs> Yeah, those guys have been. They were some of the first two guys I met here, and we've we've done we've done a few hunts together now, and we float a lot together and duck hunt together, and so they're good quality dudes. That's cool, man. So we're gonna probably wrap it up there. Uh, once again, if anybody hasn't listened to any of the podcast before, where can they find you? Find your recipes find your e-scouting course, all that stuff. Well, probably the, the best resource to get access to my YouTube channel, to get access to the blog articles with all the recipes and equipment and, and articles I've written for gohunt.com. And, and I'm starting to do some articles for rock slide as well. Um, some of my digital scouting stuff is all at treelinepursuits.com. And then the e-scouting course is, you can access it through treelinepursuits.com as well, but it's on a standalone address at treelineacademy.net. All right. Man, Mark, thank you so much for coming on, talking food. It was great. I really enjoyed it. 
I haven't talked about dehydrated meal for a few weeks here, so it, and it's time. I well, mean, yeah, I'm in the middle of doing, gear, right? I mean, I'm doing all my meals right now, so it's really good timing, and I really appreciate it, Mister. It's Seven, been a pleasure getting. Mr. It's been a real honor to meet you and get to get to spend time with you at the summit. That was really cool, and uh, and um, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's awesome hanging with you, and I'm sure hopefully in the future here we can uh, get together a little more. I mean. I mean, other than the fact that you live in Illinois, that's kind well, of the only... Yeah, don't hold that against me. I hold that yeah, against I'll myself, to, so, I mean... I've, I've left that life behind. You know, I saw the light a long time ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, <laughs> anyway, Mark, it's uh, been good talking to you, and, and uh, thank thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and, and uh, coming on the show. All right. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.